Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome back to another Forza Italian football podcast. The usual suspects are here. I'm your host, Connor Clancy. I'm exhausted just in the door from Florence. I'm joined by someone who looks a little bit more tired than me. And everyone's waiting to see who I go to next. It's Kev Pugzelski. Kev, say hello. I had a shave pre-pod. I should be looking, you know, young, you know, like my millennial self. And, uh, you know, but uh, apparently no, I'm looking tired. No, you need to wait. So you've... You're too close to the shave, so your skin still looks a bit stressed. You need to let it rest, and then tomorrow morning you'll be looking fresh, and you'll only look 38 tomorrow. Oh, well, um, I'll take is... it. You'll take it. I'd take it too at this rate, to be honest with you, Kev. We're also joined by someone who is considerably younger than the rest of us, Dion Burns. Hi, Burnsy. Hello. How are you? I'm really tired. How are you? <laughs> I'm all right. I'm not too tired. Good. I'm fine. They've changed the trains again, but I think it's temporary. I think there's some sort of problem between Parma and Reggio Emilia, which is posing a lot of problems because I've got to take that route twice. I took it, well, three times, Saturday, Sunday, and tomorrow for Cesaro Verona. So, yeah, I've had a bit of an ordeal, but here here I am. Here I am. We've also got Vito Zoria joining us. I'm sorry, I thought Ewan was going to say something else. I was waiting for it, but it didn't happen. He just likes to uh, breathe. I was thinking about it, like, but... Um, I thought I'd let you just <laughs> keep going. Right, and now you've spoken when I wasn't expecting you to speak, so thanks for that very much. <laughs> Vito, say hello and shut him up. Hello, everybody. I'm still waking up, so I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum, but hopefully the coffee starts kicking in soon. I could do it a coffee as well, you know. But we're getting to that time of year, Vito, where we're going to have to readjust our times and our synchronizations because next week the clocks change here. I don't know about there, but that's definitely not a conversation to be had on air. But we'll get through the Serie A results, shall we? Now, Matchday 11 promised to be good. You and Kev, you did the preview pod. You were kind of excited for it. And I was excited for it too. And it, I think it's fair to say it lived up to it. So we've only seen eight of the 10 games played so far because there's two games to come on Monday night. But let's go through what we have seen. It kicked off on Friday. Juventus not only won a match, but they won by four goals, beating Empoli 4-0. Then on Saturday, Salernitana beat Spezia 1-0. Milan beat Monza 4-1. And then, well, Inter beat Fiorentina 4-3 at the Frankie. But that does not begin to tell the story. We will get into that in some depth because I was there for that one. And I think I'm still tired just from that game. Never mind the getting to and from Florence, to be honest with you. Sunday, Torino beat Udinese 2-1, which is... A normal-looking result on the face of it, when you take into account what Udinese have been doing this season, it's a little bit more of a surprise. Bologna beat Lecce 2-0. Lazio beat Atalanta 2-0. Atalanta went there to 10 men there as well in Bergamo. And Napoli beat Roma 1-0 in the late game on Sunday, thanks to a stunning strike from Victor Ossiman. 
On Monday night, we've got Cremonese Samp at half past six and Sassuolo Verona in the late quarter to nine game as well. So, guys, start at the top or shall we start with all the drama or shall we start somewhere in between? Bernsey, you can pick. Where would you like to start, in Rome or in Florence? Let's start in Rome and build up to the drama. I Let's reckon. start in Rome at the top of the table and build up to the drama or down to the drama, however you want to look at it. This was a good game, right? A lot of people are talking about it. Oh, is Mourinho murdering it again? But that that just adds to the occasion. Spalletti's finally got a win over Mourinho. Ewan, it's a disappointing loss for Roma, but it's more significant of a win for Napoli. What a big result that is. Yeah, it's absolutely massive for them. Um, I think they... There was an element of superiority about Napoli in comparison to Roma with this game. Neither team was particularly great, but you felt that Napoli were a lot more... They just seemed more comfortable with the situation. I think think it partly comes down to forwards. I think Roma have got less belief in their own forwards to get a goal right now in this sort of situation. Whereas with Victor Osimhen up front, but also Kvalitskelia, even Lozano to an extent this season... Napoli just seemed very settled with the idea that they will get a big chance and they'll probably take it, and that's exactly what happened. Well, that's a funny one, isn't that right, Kev? Because they had a big chance. Ossiman had a big chance, and he didn't take it. And then he got another chance a couple of moments later when he took the more difficult one. What a finish that was, especially having missed the chance just before it. Yeah, well, I think that that, that tells you how sort of confident he feels in his own ability. He's, he's come back straight from a... Injury. He's barely played since September, if played at all. So I'm not sure if he's had any first sort of minutes off the bench. Since September, yeah. Yeah. So first start since September. He's lasted the entire game, and from the angle he's decided to to hit it from, it's, it is kind of lovely when it goes across the goalkeeper and hits the sort of the inside side netting, um, and you know left him helpless. And as Ewan was saying, if you've got that level of striker then you can sort of ride out the, the rough games. I, I read Alistair's report and he said that Napoli deserved to, to win it and, and Ewan was backing that up. Yeah, Alistair McKenzie was at the Stadio Olimpico for us for this one as he tends to be. And it was one of those games where I really envy him being in, in Rome full-time and getting to go to these games. Speaking of who deserved to win the game, oh, no. um, Mourinho said to... Um, his own after the game he said congratulations to Napoli who won without deserving to we lost without deserving to Irati didn't have a great game (laughs) he's generally I'd say he's a bit more of a I'd say he does less of that now yeah Mourinho but every now and then he slips back and you know it's quite fun (laughs) as long as he doesn't do it too often it's quite fun there is a point though to be had which is that Roma will feel that they didn't deserve to lose the game. And I don't think they're wrong to feel that way because as far as their plan went, they kind of stuck to it and executed it pretty well. Well, Napoli probably deserved to win the game, but I think those two things can coexist because in football, what you deserve is completely irrelevant. Kev, you're nodding with something I say and I'm shocked. (laughs) Well, yeah, because I don't like to agree with you very often. But no, it is very that. You know, you can... You can lose and feel that you deserved more, but the opposition team can go in and think, you know, we might. It's not even that we got away with one there. It's that 
yeah, we, we edge that. You know, when there is a game, whether it's you know whether one side's superior in attack or whatever, but when there's a game that's so finely balanced and it does edge one side or the other, then it's they're they're easier defeats to take and, and arguably they're more satisfying victories because if you're the side. If you're the side that's lost that didn't deserve to lose, you think, okay, we can still take some momentum. If you're side that won, you know, if you're side that won and they actually hadn't won, then you, it's a little bit soul destroying because you think, you know, we should have done a little bit better. You got yourself a little bit tangled. Oh, I did a little bit. There, yeah. I could see I was I was ready to jump in, but I I think you managed to to unweave your way back out of that. So well done. I'm, I'm impressed. I clutched. I, I, I clutched. I grabbed defeat from the claws of defeat. I think I don't know something like that. Jeez, you've done it again. Although that, although that, <laughs> although, that, although that one was that one was intentional. Yeah, I thought. Uh, yeah, I, was, yeah. I was hoping that that was the case. But clearly, but... Ewan's had me rambling enough drunk that he doesn't know if it is intentional or not. Although I must yeah, just. Yeah, I go straight over mine. I've, I've not. I've but not I will been say, Kev. I was looking at your eyes as you were saying it, and you were clearly trying to work out how to say it wrong and that made it look like (laughs) you accidentally said it wrong (laughs) but yeah there you go um you are where are you at the moment by the way kev i'm in amsterdam i'm in a so would it be wrong for you and to assume that you're on another drunk rambling uh well we were discussing this um me and stacy so i'm with the wife and i think i've drunk loads but not got drunk is that you know do you understand that it's because they, they, they serve you... We've, we've been going around craft places, so it's like they serve you only like 250 mil, but we've been drinking like 10%. But when you've drunk, when you're drinking for like 12 hours, you kind of don't actually... You know, I've not... I think that's the best thing when you're away. I think being in a permanent state of tipsiness is better than actually being hammered. Yeah, so I, I could well... Christmas Day. Hmm. Christmas Day. Yeah. Have your first beer at about 11 in the morning. You never <laughs> get drunk, but you're not sober at any point in the day and it's a <laughs> wonderful thing and this year Burnsy as the patrons will know we've got a plan to get drunk even before the alcohol is officially opened with a with our Bailey's cappuccino that we're planning for Christmas oh, morning, course, yeah. right? so we're, we're I attempt a working year. week like this well illegal of just I might attempt an entire working week of just being slightly tipsy for the I whole think thing see how I feel professional and not something you should be saying to me <laughs> you're, you're not my boss. Well, I... <laughs> well um, you, you just have access to some of them. We've we've had conversations today that suggest you need to be a little bit more careful around me, given other things that have happened that don't concern you. But you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, um, that makes it sound like I've been bad. I've not I've not done anything wrong. No, you you've been made to look very good, despite just being well, bang average, really. But let's get on with Thank you. this. Football, shall we? Beat I'm just going to read a statistic to you. Now, this is courtesy of, I believe it was Adriano Del Monte said this on BT Sport. Napoli now 11 games winning. Uh, have Napoli have now won 11 games in a row in all competitions for the first time since 1986. That's a pretty incredible stat. And not only that... Um... It also happened in a period which eventually led up to the first ever Serie A title. So perhaps the omens are good. That being said, you know, it has been a fantastic start by the Partenopay so far. And from, you know, the games I've seen of them, uh, it doesn't seem that they have any 
glaring weaknesses at this stage. I just feel that perhaps um, the only way they can sort of fall apart is if they, you know, make themselves their own worst enemy and they just uh, put too much pressure on themselves. If they just stick to their guns, play to their strengths, um, I think they've got the ability to make this run continue. So even if maybe they eventually have a draw, even a loss sometime soon, I can't see them falling down the Serie R table as yet. No, we're still top, obviously, unbeaten this season. Nine of nine Serie A wins, two draws, three points clear of champions Milan at the top. And every week it goes on, you and I get a little bit more irritated because every time Napoli wins, someone on Twitter says, it looks like it's their year because I have to keep thinking it's October. But do you think that people in Napoli are going to start talking about it in that way now? Because until this point, nobody I know who supports Napoli or nobody I know from Naples will even entertain talk of that being the case. But it's going to come eventually, isn't it, if they keep up this form? Yeah, I think it has to. And I think that, you know, there will be a section of the fan base that are talking about that sort of thing. And, you know, from a human perspective, you can you can get on board with it. You know, you live in hope. Um, if you want to enjoy it while you feel like it's going to happen, then enjoy it. Um, I would, maybe this is recency bias, and I'm very willing for that to be the case. But I feel a bit more convinced by them right now than I did at this stage last season. Um, I, I think this this current team feels a bit more well-rounded and a bit more convincing. I'm still not going to say anything along the lines of they're definitely going to work and win the title, yada, yada. But I I just bank on them slightly more right now than I did 11 games. What is it? Yeah, 11 games in last season. I was slating them start of the season. Well, slating them strong words. Yeah, me too. But, you know, they, <laughs> so were their own fans. They'd though. lost the spine of the, you know, the, the big spine of the team. So it was kind of I'd I'd put them as that that side sort of dropping even maybe out of European places. So, but but as Ewan says, you know they look great this year. I just think it's a real shame that we have you know we're living in the age of VAR because I don't know I I always thought like Napoli would win the next title and there'd be like a contentious handball or something and there'd be this <laughs> there'd be this you know ghost of Maradona <laughs> so sort of you know it was him he did it you know passed away um a couple of years ago and he's he's won him the title and you just can't you can't have that sort of crazy narrative anymore with um, with AAR sort of picking up weird handballs how much more impressive would it be now, though, if they won it with a with a mystery handball? That'd be amazing. Oh, wouldn't oh it? well, there you go. That's what we that's what we live for here now till till May. Let's hope for it. Cavaradona scores a handball last day of the season, Ooh. and Napoli win the league. Imagine him running from the halfway line. You know, doing like <laughs> what, you know, what, um, what, what you want him to do is basically score the two goals that he scored against England. Yeah, yeah, that, same yeah that would be great. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen, Kev, but this Serie A season just keeps throwing out things that you don't think are going to happen. And I was in attendance for one of those last night, Fiorentina Inter. Oh my God. Like, it got to the point where at the end of this game, I genuinely just didn't know what to say anymore because there were so many moments where I thought, oh, it's not going to get more mad than this because this is as mad as it could possibly be. 
But then those moments just kept happening until the last second. I, I went, because I was out last night, picked Stace up from a conference. We went to a bar. I saw your tweet. Free, free, last minute, Jovic. <laughs> I woke up thinking it was free, free. <laughs> and then I realised it was for free. Because I thought, oh, okay, that's it. Well, I, don't, I don't need to check that anymore because your your tweet made it sound final. It was, it, you know, it felt like, oh, that's it. It's done. It's a boom. But that was the feeling. That, the feeling in the place was draw. It's finished now. There is obviously still additional time to come, but that is the final say in this game. But it wasn't the B because Henrik Mkhitaryan scored even later. Now, we'll just run through it because I don't know if you saw my tweet, but I had a big laugh at Fiorentina's expense yesterday. I had a big laugh at Fiorentina's expense because... Before the game, the, the ultras the in the Curva Fiesta, I put on a display, and it was quite a nice display as well, it must be said. But beneath the Curva, there was a banner, which actually, I've been spending this weekend getting bullied. Vieri Capretta started it, and we'll get, we'll get on to that. But there was a banner which read, Upon reaching our shores, the opponents throw their shields and swords to the ground and surrender. 90 seconds later, Inter were leading. And Barella scored in front of the curva. And I just thought that was the most beautiful thing that could have possibly happened after that banner was displayed. And you're just watching Barella celebrate. And that banner is just still there, readable. And then 15 minutes later, it's 2-0. And you think, this is very, very amusing now. It's It's gone beyond the point of just being a little bit funny. It's really funny. But then Fiorentina came back and, and suddenly it was 2-2. And Inter went ahead again, and you thought, okay, well, that's it then. Because Fiorentina, they were spineless before. I don't think they're quite that now, but they're not a team that you expect to be always coming back and coming back and coming back, taking these blows, but getting back up again. But they did, and Luka Jovic only bloody scored a goal, which was one of those where he scored it, and everybody was looking around like, was that Jovic? And looking at the, the little monitors in the press box to be sure that it was definitely him because it was really well taken and he's not shown anything basically since he left Eintracht to suggest that he's capable of doing that anymore. But then Inter went and won it even later and it, it was wild, absolutely wild. I got a really nice photo of this. When, when what goal was it? It was the fourth because everything just kind of went mad then. The interbench were on the pitch. Everybody was going across to the far side. And there's a moment where a couple of Fiorentina players are gathering around the referee trying to like get in his ear. And there's a couple of Inter players there as well. And Onana's just running behind them to get involved in the celebration, Pepe Reina style, which I really, really liked. But Vito, in terms of entertainment and action and excitement, this game had everything you could possibly ask for. Oh, it was, yeah, it was an unbelievable game. Plenty of drama, and uh, both teams, you know, they had their own styles of playing the game, but uh, they all contributed to the way uh, the drama panned out. Yeah. There were moments, you know, where you had well taken goals, and then you know there are the two penalty scenarios as well. So that added something to it, and yeah, it just. If we had to go with individuals, uh, well, the clear one would have to go to Lautaro Martinez. Uh, two goals, 
Uh, he also supplied the assist for Barella's opening goal, and uh, he probably should have. Uh, he probably could have scored a few more goals too. Another funny, funny thing about him though was he was taken off when the score was. Um, was that three two or, or yeah, it was at three two. Sorry for Bellanova. So you would have thought by then the game was closed and uh, Simone and Zaghi just wanted to run the clock out. But then came that late drama that you mentioned just before with Jovic scoring the equaliser and then Mikitarian scoring the winner well into stoppage time. Think, like just go. Yeah, I think the thing is obviously Martin has also won. His the you know, penalty that he scored, but to give Inzaghi uh, credit or you know to not go so hard him, Fiorentina scored twenty five percent of their league goals this season in this game. You know when, when they'd only <laughs> scored two, I can't imagine Inzaghi expected they were ever coming back and scoring three. You know they have been terrible in front of goals. So I, I guess give him a little bit of credit for taking Martinez off thinking the game's done. Yeah, fair enough, but. I'm still trying to process it. You know, I left the the Frankie exactly 24 hours ago. It was quarter to midnight when I left the stadium last night. And I'm still trying to process what happened because it was just absolutely wild. But we've got to talk about Lautaro, don't we? Like Mito mentioned, that he's he's going to be our player of the week this week unless something insane happens at e- in either of tomorrow's two games. But, Ewan, we're speaking about him again in this way where... When he plays, you just think, well, he's going to score now because he's doing that thing that he seems to do at least twice every year where he puts together a ridiculous run of scoring goals. And you just think he's going to score every single week until the World Cup there. This is the thing. Once he starts doing it, he makes podcasts hard, you know, because obviously you're loath to repeat yourself every week. <laughs> There's little else to say about him because mm. you can just, for eight games, you can say the same thing of... Oh, he's just bang out for him, yada yada, <laughs> and then he, he's now in the good bit, and we can say again, oh, he keeps doing this thing where he's bang out, for him. and he's he's irrepressible when he's when he's at it, and he he really was yesterday. He 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 almost makes some of his goals. I find often look like slow motion, almost to the extent where you think that oh, actually the defending's just crap. But it's not. It's just he just moves the ball so well that he seems to tie defenders in knots. His it would have been his first into second. Like obviously the defending's not great. What a goal! But it, it's it's just the way he, he's not doing it very fast. But it's it's just all very sort of calculated, and it just makes the defenders look daft. And he opens up an angle where he doesn't need to lash it into the bottom corner. He can just roll it in because he, he's created the space already. He, I think. I think he's going to have a brilliant World Cup. I can't wait to see how he does at the World Cup. Yeah, you He, he might him. be the only thing I want to pay attention to. <laughs> it was on the preview pod, wasn't it, where you made the prediction that he's your like outside bet for the leading goal scorer at the World Cup? Yeah, I think outside of Messi, Neymar, Mbappé, Benzema, I guess. I think he's he's one who sticks out to me. Yeah. Benzema, yes. The, the Ballon well, d'Or, I get. I, I know, but you don't associate him with... Sticking in shed loads for France, do obviously he's been out of the picture for so long, but you know we'll see. He's got he's got to deal with Mbappe, who is clearly not an easy man to work with. But that's not our remit. Martin Martinez had that you know that links to Barcelona, wasn't it for like a big money move or whatever years ago or a couple of seasons ago. 
Yeah. And it feels like that's the only one he's had. You know, he's. Yeah. You know, if everything we've just discussed, it still feels that there is. There is some sort of blind spot to sort of the bigger, you know, the bigger European teams, if you like. You know, let's not just lump, say they're all Premier League, but the the big hitters across Europe don't don't ever seem to be for long periods linked with him. But probably Ewan's seen plenty more because of the, the work he's done on Inter. But it, it feels like he's kind of just going under the radar a little bit when we're talking about strikers. You know, it's this whole, you know, you could say Lukaku who, if you're an Inter fan at the moment, the way Martin is, is playing. Whereas he's the one that's got much much of the plaudits for the last couple of seasons when they've been together at Inter. Some of that has got to do with the fact, though, that he's at Inter and he's won a title. It's not like he's at Fiorentina doing this. Do you know what I mean? It's a little bit different. You are right in terms of like properly, you know, Barcelona caliber teams. The only other team that could afford him was Tottenham. Were genuinely interested in the summer, it seemed. But obviously, you'd think that. that that sort of ties in with what you're saying about a blind squad because obviously there's the Conte factor there where obviously he likes the guy. Lataro's played his best football in his career under Conte up to maybe you'd say the last three weeks. Um, so, yeah, he, he doesn't seem to be but, angling for a move in any way whatsoever. But if you look at the was a... Premier League, you've got Manchester United and like Chelsea. They've got uh, unsuitable, if you like, like central strikers. Now, I know Martinez did a load of good work as a two with Lukaku, but you wonder why just lazy tabloids aren't linking linking in with those sort of moves. But, you know, we're, we're, at this point, we're trying to sort of get him out of Italy, which we very much don't want to do. <laughs> I think at the moment, he's probably... Well, Inter are probably benefiting from the fact that there's a certain other striker being linked with every single club under the sun for the last couple of months. So maybe people, the the lazy tabloids and the lazy reports are focused solely on someone that we have to deal with in Italy for a little bit of time as well. And I think we're all in the same boat of being quite pleased that he's not here anymore. Um, So maybe that's, there's something in that. But there was an interview with Lautaro. Now, I can't remember where this was initially published, but we ended up picking it up somewhere else that Bernsey and I both work where he said the Barcelona thing was real, it was it was close, he wanted it to happen, but when it didn't happen, things changed for him at Inter, and, and now he's in a position at Inter where he doesn't want to leave, so he is genuinely just content there as well, and I do think if a player is content at the club, you're more likely to not have rumours, because they're not getting their agents to plant these seeds and, and to go speaking to people. Well, that was kind of the bizarre situation Inter found themselves in with him in particular, among others, was obviously they wanted to make this big sale and they've still not done it. He was very much one of the players, especially up until that end of the season where he did play very well. They would have been more than happy to accept a mm. £70 million bid or whatever from Barcelona or Tottenham, whatever, and get him out the door and get that money in. But like I say, he didn't want to go. And subsequently, Barella, Bastoni, Scrinia, they none of them wanted to go, which, which is, I th- to me, that's one of the reasons why, even if Inter's bad form had continued, I think Inzaghi would have had a lot more life than people may have thought, because I think that's quite a that's quite a massive showing of support that some very big clubs came knocking for some very good players. You know, you look at Scrinia, PSG were going to more than double his wages, and he, he didn't push for it. 
he kind of said, if you sell me, I'll go, but he's not pushing for it. Um, and that's quite a big endorsement of Inzaghi in the, the environment he's got there. And you can say they've come out the other side of it now and they're looking much better. You keep feeding me these segues, talking about coming out the other side of things. <laughs> Juventus beat Empoli 4-0, Vito. The crisis is over. I wouldn't get too carried away with that. <laughs> well However, done, it was uh, <laughs> it was an excellent performance from the Bianconeri. Uh, excellent counter-attack of football and they played in a way that they should be trying to play a lot more often. You know, At least they got a clear idea what they're doing. So they need to start doing this against bigger opponents. When you when you say that, Vita, about a clear idea of how they um, need to play, was it crossing? Because Empoli could not could not clear a cross. Their first three goals just come from crosses, yeah, well, or corners. You know, so to either to open play crosses or corners, it's like what were they doing? It was like I think Juve saw how bad they were at defending sort of balls over quite quickly. That's one say... thing I pointed out in my match report that uh, the lateral balls was something that worked well for Juve and also Empoli had issues dealing with because the ones in open play, uh, whether it be Kostic or Quadrado, but more more the Serbian international, that Juve could place a ball between the defence and Vicario in goal and you could expect a Juve player to put the ball in the net. But even just in open play, particularly the first half, Empoli had spells of possession, but Juventus, they knew how to pass the ball around in the spaces. And uh, even if they had to sort of pass the ball around in the midfield and all that, they could do it. But it was when they were on the counter that they could go a lot more direct. They were finding targets and they weren't uh, panicking on the ball. There have been times against so-called weak opponents or provincial sides where you wonder how on earth Juve can't even put a pass together, but Juve actually were combining very well, and uh, it showed with the goals in particular that when they did switch it wide, that's uh, how it worked out the best for them. But it wasn't a case of them just saying, you know, we'll stop at 1-0 or 2-0. They kept going, and also if some of the shots were better placed or if Vicario hadn't made a couple of saves... Juve could have won by more than four goals. The goal scorers were Moise Keane, Weston McKenney, and Adrian Rabio with a brace. You and that's not sustainable because they could quite easily not score again for the rest of the season. Yeah, if if Adrian Rabio ever became privy to the TIF WhatsApp group, he um he wouldn't get on with us because despite like scoring him. two goals, we like we all Rabiot. just started fighting. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were all out of order. Um, well, no. yeah, you score late goals, you're going to become the enemy of people who are writing about your team. <laughs> late goals are bad. Um, he's a bizarre player. Do you want to he's talk about late a... goals, do you? <laughs> They're all wrong. Because there's late um, goals and then there's late goals. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, Rabiot's a bizarre footballer. Um, I, I'll never, ever work the guy out because he, he can look like one of the worst you've ever seen. And at times he has for Juve. And then there has been moments in his career where you look at him and go, oh, do you know what? I get it. That, that's why this guy is, you know, he's been in and around the sort of top table, as it were, for a long time now. Um, 
And yeah, there's got to be something that the people in charge are seeing that we're not. And every now and then you get a glimpse of it. And his couple of goals were an example of it. I don't think it's going to quite be a turning of the corner or anything mad like that. Um, but, you know, he, he certainly seems a hell of a lot more settled there than he was towards the end of the summer. Got really distracted by a message and I was trying to decode a series of numbers and I, I ended up forgetting that you were speaking. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Thank you. That's a common occurrence. <laughs> I, heard, I heard the last part of that. So neither of the boys jumped in so i guess we could just move swiftly on from that <laughs> kev i'll come to you for milan beating monza 4-1 because your boy scored his first goal didn't he yeah and this is probably the only thing that i want to know because i saw these highlights and it, it looks like he it looks like it's a my boy being divock Origi. um it was reminiscent of a strike he scored for liverpool and i can't remember who it was against um the League Cup, some sort of midweek League Cup fixture springs to the mind. But it looked like he injured himself, which would be classic Origi. He sort of <laughs> sunk sort of hands onto knees and the you know, his play you know, his teammates sort of gingerly approached him and went, Oh yeah, wow, great goal, you know, and it was it was a you know, it was a rasping drive from the edge of the box. But um it it looked way too comfortable for, for Milan, but I hope he hasn't gone and injured himself. I've not I've not been able to catch up with the um, sort of post match presses and stuff since. This was one of those annoying games where often when a game is happening before a game that you're covering, and they pop it on in the press box, that's good. But when the game you're covering is a big game, you're kind of a little bit preoccupied with that. So I saw that Milan were tuning up, and I kind of stopped paying attention to the screen, and then I looked up again, and it was. Four one, and I thought, well, how has this happened? What's what's happened here? And it all just went a little bit mad. But how do you think Berlusconi's feeling right now, Bernsey? I think he's the. I think yeah, I think he's the sort of guy. I don't think he lets this sort of thing really get to him, and that that could be misconstrued as praise, and it's not. I think he just doesn't <laughs> care about important things. <laughs> He'll have just... I mean, yeah, if you're being realistic, Monza away at Milan, they got beat. If I was Berlusconi, I think I'd get over it quite quickly, to be honest. I don't think it would upset me greatly. Looking on the scoreline, you'd think that was a comfortable win for Milan, but uh, on the... You know, looking at the play, I didn't think it was really... A three a three goal defeat. So I felt that Monza, you know, were decent in terms of possession and trying to create something, but it showed that they were lacking a bit of a cutting edge in front of goal. And uh, you know, um, I also thought that uh, yeah, maybe if Petania had started the game, especially after his heroics in the Coppa Italia midweek, I thought maybe that could have changed things a bit more. But I suppose it's a Lesser for Paladino to learn in the future. And another positive for the Brianzoli was Filippo uh, Ranocchia coming on in the second half. He had a decent game in the midfield, but uh, that free kick, that was a, a beautiful hit. I mean, regardless of the fact that it was Tataru Sanu in goal, I don't think a better <laughs> goalkeeper would have saved it. I think in terms of the power, the elevation, and the distance he struck up from I think that was an excellent first Serie A goal for Ranocchia and uh, hopefully for his sake it can continue 
Come on, Vito. I saw Rinocchio scoring and I was a bit surprised. Kev, what's wrong with you? Vito was slating Tatsurano on. Oh, he, he, he's just said that free kick, free better goalkeepers wouldn't have kept it out yet. He was slating him on, on Twitter <laughs> that he should have done better with the goal. That's fair enough, isn't it? I will say one nice thing about Tatsurano, though. I think he's been watching uh, Mike Mignon in training, you know, at least when the Frenchman was fit. And uh, before Brian Diaz scored that solo goal, that pass to him was actually quite nice. I didn't think Tatu Sanu had it in him, but it was actually a well-placed pass before Diaz did his thing. Big, big win for Lazio and Bergamo, guys. Um, Atalanta were a little bit rubbish. And Lazio were anything but. Matias Zaccagni put them 1-0 up after 10 minutes. And then Felipe Anderson, the, the number nine who... It's not an exact quote, but the stand-in host on the preview pod was like, oh, he's just not he's just not a centre-forward. Shove that in your pipe and smoke it, Bonesy. Well, annoyingly, you've outed me there. I was about to very nobly... My first comment was going to be that me and Kev got this quite hideously wrong. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 to, be, to be kind to Kev, led by me, but he certainly didn't disagree with me. <laughs> As I slated... Um, Lazio's ability to score goals or even me. win games of football that really without Immobile. Because if I'd said the Why? things you were saying, Kev would have disagreed. <laughs> well, I mean, I still, I still in many ways stand by what I was saying, which was essentially that like having Felipe Anderson as your backup striker as soon as your good one is out, that's not a sustainable model. You're making a big it, mistake here, though, Ewan, and you're saying the things that I said however many years ago when Napoli didn't have a striker, so Sarri said, Mertens, you go there. And then Mertens became one of the best strikers in Napoli's history and was banging in goals for fun for the next few years, even after yeah, Sarri you, left. You don't back down, you double down. We all know that. I'm doubling down. <laughs> all right, I'm, I'm going with what I said. I and a week. <laughs> I, I don't think they will continue to go and win at places like Atalanta. Look at your face as you say that. You don't squirming. even believe it. <laughs> yeah, like, squirming in your chair. Trying to look all cool and casual, leaning back a little bit. You don't. I'm calm. I'm calm. Just, you look like the slug. It's fine. <laughs> please, please don't cry on this podcast. <laughs> cry on another one. That's okay. But, Kev, this is a pretty significant win for Lazio because Atalanta had been unbeaten 10 games decent record one of the best defenses in in Serie A as well but Lazio made relatively light work of them yeah no, you know it's all those things it's, it's away from home like you just said they're unbeaten they this this will give them great confidence without Chiro Mobile now until after the World Cup so they can sort of you know hopefully keep pushing on and it's uh, what I find interesting is the role that um, Pradal plays from the from from Providal even isn't it the goalkeeper Pradal there you go I missed the letter maybe even, maybe the whole syllable. maybe even two um, <laughs> because they 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 went into the season with no goalkeepers and then they started started Maximiliano and he got sent off and I don't know if that would have he was clearly he was clearly Sarri's first choice. And I don't. I really want to. I would love. Sorry, love is a strong word, because 
I'd just like a little spell of Provadel not being in goal to see if it because his distribution is proactivity from 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 the back line and the fact that they've kept I think that was this this is six, I think, six in the on the pod on yeah. on last week, it's sort of six clean sheets in a row. I'd love to. I, I don't know. I just. I'm. I'm intrigued as to whether how how influential that, because because Sarri's this passing sort of side and everything, kind of now in, in certainly in modern football starts with your goalkeeper and how good they are with their feet. I would have loved to have that contrast, you know, and had a few more games with his initial first choice in. And I, Profidel's just a really good goalkeeper, though. Right, when yeah, but why was he second he choice then? Impressive. It's mad because I, I liked him as well, but it's like he was clearly not. Uh, you know, maybe it was just the the fact that they struggled to get somebody in over pre season, so they only had time to 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 play with one. I think the initial plan was to either purchase Vicario from Empoli, or there was also Merit from Napoli. And another option was the kid that's owned by Atalanta, but he's gone on loan again at Cremonese, Carnesecchi. But uh, Lazio were not able to sign either goalkeeper, hence why they went for Maximino from Granada and then Providel. But uh, it's probably been a blessing in disguise because they've saved a bit of money. And uh, I can't comment about the Portuguese goalkeeper, but Providel's been uh, an excellent buy so far. Alistair McKenzie shove one because he's the second person who was bullying me this weekend. It started with Vieri Caprata in Florence, sitting there in the press box, two rows down, a couple of seats across, telling me to get glasses on. And I just wasn't I wasn't very pleased about it. And then today, Bernsey, you were in the same WhatsApp group as Alistair McKenzie. He was out of order, wasn't he? Yeah. I, I, I was fine with it to begin with. Um and then, then my team lost. So, so I turned on him. You <laughs> he he quickly became my enemy. Very brave with a person you don't actually know, I thought. I was shocked. <laughs> well, as I said, to his face might be a different story. But in a WhatsApp group, I'll do what I like. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. But, Sorry, yeah. is there a, is there a uh, bullying Connor WhatsApp group I can join? <laughs> <laughs> nah, get, on, get on to Capretta and Alistair and I'm sure they'll set one up swiftly um, because they're both at it this weekend and I didn't enjoy it very much but the weekend's finished now Kev, don't you start I get enough from you every single week that I don't need you joining WhatsApp groups to bully me because I just leave it anyway oh. If you want to post videos on social media from grounds then you can join it if that really sounds up your stream <laughs> <laughs> That, that that's as thrilling as it is. Oh, yeah. I forgot. Ali's also in that group. He didn't need to be getting those notifications, yeah. did he? Um, anyway, <laughs> let's move on, shall we? Bologna beat Lecce 2-0. Vito, this was a little bit of a surprise. Someone scored their opener, but then Lewis Ferguson scored their second. And that's a, a far more interesting story to talk about. Um, I'm presuming Ferguson's another... Scotsman, and he's following the he footsteps is. of uh, Aaron Hickey. <laughs> he is exactly that, yes. Yeah, it looks like uh, that's a move that uh, more Scotsmen should uh, follow in the future. Because I think until Hickey arrived a few years ago, I think only 
five Scottish footballers had ever played in Serie A. One of them being uh, the motormouth uh, Graham Sooners with his short spell at Sub. <laughs> but uh, yeah, maybe it's a good chance if they're not getting opportunities to move to the EPL or another major league, perhaps the tactical and technical nature of Italian football might be up the alley and can improve them as footballers. Ah, take the Prem out of the conversation completely. Just come to Italy, guys. It's a lovely time. A lovely time. You and Torino be... Feed. Yeah, absolutely right. Although, dangerously good for a professional athlete, I would argue. Um, you and Torino beating Udinese 2-1 came as a bit of a shock to me. Yeah, this is weird. I don't... Torino used to be one of the few teams over the last season or so that you could fairly confidently predict what was going to happen in their games. And and the last few weeks, I can't remember what they did on the previous match day, but again, it was something slightly unusual. Derby. Um, no, 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 that was a different one again. Um, anyway, they, they they keep being slightly different <laughs> to what you'd expect. This was very different to what you'd expect. Um, who knows, you have to wonder now, has the bubble burst? I'm going to jump to the extreme to upset our Udinese fan or fans listening. I can only think of one off the top of my head. Get on board. Get on board. Get on board. Like <laughs> but maybe the bubble has burst. Um, There's a lot of games left. They're going to end up 15th. Big call. <laughs> I, don't, I don't actually mean that. <laughs> imagine, imagine if this was the year they finally got rid of them. Like... The year that they started, yeah. everyone's talking, oh, will they get Europe? That's the year they go down. That'd be that amazing. Would take the piss, that, one. that would be amazing. I'd go up to Friuli for the party <laughs> on the last day of the season. I'd be up there loving it. Oh, look how happy I am. Would it be a one man party? I was going to say, who's having the party? It would Me. just be Connor just walking around Udine with. Uh, yeah, but you, you make know, that big, sound like you're joining an existing party. No, 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 no! I'm going up to Friuli to have the party, not just to you join and the, the party. <laughs> oh, fair enough. I might join them. Yeah, come on, Two Birdsy, people. get involved. In? That's got to be worth the flight, isn't it, Vita? <laughs> oh, I think so. And you'll need to get a few other people to carry a mock coffin. Oh, there's a shout. Yeah, I'll get on to your mate's veto. They're, they're the experts in that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter which sort of Genoa you go. Um, mock coffins are a thing. They are. They very much are. Probably need I, to contact some Pordenone or Triestina fans, you know. Mm. They might want to carry the coffin too. Very good shout. It also reminds me of... Do you remember when River got relegated and... Then they played a game, or maybe it was after they'd been relegated, but they were still in the top division or something. And Boca fans organised for like a ghost to fly over the pitch with, them, <laughs> with a big B on it. Like, oh, that's one of the best things fans have ever done in in football. And and I might just walk around Udine dressed as a big ghost with with a B written <laughs> on me. Um, do you think I'd make it out alive? Yeah, I think they'd be fine with it, to be honest. Okay, I think so, too. They seem like nice enough people up there, to be fair. Yeah. Um, nothing against them. They're just irritating. Like they're just, I, <laughs> I would like them to not be around for for a bit. But we've still got... I can't find anything anymore. 
Where am I looking? Here we go. We've got Cremonese Samp. Samp are becoming the, the Monday night at half past six team, it seems, this season. And then Sassuolo have been kicked out of their usual slot of lunchtime on Sunday. And they're playing the late Monday game at Verona. And I'm going to be at that one as well. Although, I kind of... I keep making plans and then trains mess things up a little bit. Kev, go on. I just think... Um... The Salernitana Spezia. It was such a good goal from uh, Mazzocchi that uh, it would be uh, it would be remiss of us not to mention it as you sort of went straight into the Monday night games. That's all. That's because as I mentioned, I was trying to find that and I couldn't find it, so Mm. I I knew the Monday games off the top of my head. Um, Yeah, fair shout. Great goal. He's having a lovely old time. Italy set up the whole lot. Loving it. Any anything more to add on that, Kev? Or did you just want to say that the goal was a good goal? No, just that, and I do really need to start writing the names down in full on the piece of paper in front of me so I can actually pronounce them. Yeah, it <laughs> would be helpful. Um, it very much will be helpful. We will be back. When will we be back? Well, we'll we'll do the Serie Femenile pod, Burnsy and I. Oh my God! By the way. We had a weekend <laughs> this weekend, Burnsy, didn't we? Juventus lost to Milan. Milan scored four goals in a match. I, I'm still not over that. Th- that, but... right. I had a stupid day on Saturday because I watched that on the train to Florence and I'm trying to wrap my head around that. And then I get to Florence and Fiorentina Inter throw up what they threw up. What a day. <laughs> it's not even just that you only lost. They... they... At one stage, threatened to get battered, as well, which yeah. is like that's that's like the final bastion. The idea of Juve getting battered, and by that's Milan, just incomprehensible. Who lost four yeah. 0 in the derby last night? But anyway, you will be writing about that for totalhyphenitalianfootball.com. We will be doing the women's football podcast to talk about that and all of the other action as well, including a late, late, late heartbreak for Sassuolo as Inter well stayed unbeaten. Chawinga scoring in the 92nd minute and making me want to throw my phone out of a bar in Florence in the process. But there was a lot of fun happening there. Palmer in trouble. We'll get into it a little bit more on the Women's Football Podcast. <laughs> we will also have the European Football Podcast. Champions League is back this week. And then we'll have the preview show as well. So for as little as €2 Euro a month, or if you're feeling a little bit more generous or can afford to give 5 or €10 Euro a month, it's patreon.com slash total italian football and we're doing this every week which is part of the reason why we're so tired whenever we start these podcasts but do head over there patreon.com slash total italian football and you'll be getting three bonus podcasts this week so we will speak to you then bernsey and i will probably speak to you on tuesday then the europe pod thursday and then the preview on friday Vito, say goodbye goodbye granddad say goodbye Oh, you're talking to me. Goodbye. What a process! Is your hearing, aid, is your hearing aid playing <laughs> up again, Granddad? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I know I'll just edit out the pause. So. <laughs> no, it's staying in. Oh. It's staying in. Burnsy, say goodbye. Goodbye. It's goodbye from me. We'll speak to you soon.